The Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 over the Philadelphia Eagles in our season's finale. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright along with Justin Tucker and CJ Medeiros. So guys, a little bittersweet here. So the Super Bowl just ended and as did the 2022 NFL season, meaning the next meaningful game we will be covering will won't be until September quite a while from now but we are going to get you get you guys plenty of coverage throughout this off season including the summer so stay tuned for that in the meantime we have a great show planned for you guys so we're going to cover the Chiefs and the Super Bowl obviously we're going to hit on that uh, that holding call that the, the officials get uh, gave out late in that game. Um, Patrick Mahomes' legacy as his achievements continue to stack up here. Um, but we're going to start with the Super Bowl and give our general impressions. So the Chiefs won the Super Bowl uh, over the Eagles, 38-35. to 35. Patrick Mahomes was the game's MVP, throwing for... Just 182 yards with three touchdowns on that high ankle sprain. So, guys, what are your thoughts? CJ? Huh. Well, obviously, we all picked uh, the Eagles to win this. Yeah. Up and down, they had a better roster. But, hey, Patrick Mahomes, you know, got it done. Andy Reid, obviously, outcoached Nick Sirianni. And, of course, you have all those awful, awful Philly fans. They're like, oh, my God, the refs cost us that game. Oh, dear. Oh, cry, Eagles, cry. That's what I say. Now, I think Kansas City, obviously, they came out and got punched in the mouth in that first half. But they rallied back and never punted in the second half. I believe, you know, scoring on every drive. And that's just something that you really have to appreciate Mahomes and Andy Reid for. And how the defense stepped up, that O-line completely shut down a ferocious Eagles D-line. Uh, they, I mean, it seems like the Eagles DBs had no answer for people like Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Tony. It's just plain and simple. Uh not only did Kansas City win, but I would argue Philly lost. Philly, don't blame the turf. Don't blame the refs. The finger should be pointed at yourselves. You were up by 10 at half. You had no business losing that game, and you choked. But everything aside, congrats to the Chiefs. They earned it, and uh, we'll just see what happens to them going into the offseason, I guess. All right, talk. Well, talk, you're muted. Thank you. Where do I even begin? I could blame it on the referees because I know I know it's a flag, but in that sort of situation, you usually don't call it because the game's on the line and it's kind of a battle here and forth. And it's not really much of a pull. So I get why they called it, but again, I, I'm not going to blame them. I could blame the slip and slide field that they were on because, my God, it just felt like every time they tried to rush the passer, 
they were sliding for some reason. And it's not just the Kansas, it's not just the Eagles that felt it. It was also the Chiefs, but that defense, oh boy, they just kept sliding. I just I agree with CJ on this. I believe it is and more importantly, the Eagles on offense and on defense. Jalen Hurts had an opportunity to, I want to say, gain a first down on third and short. He fumbled the ball and then got returned for a touchdown. I'm not sure why that's not being brought up more, but that did happen. If you take away those seven points, the Eagles are walking away as Super Bowl champions. But that's not what we're here to talk about, if ands, or buts. The fact of the matter is, offensively, they didn't do enough to score. Defensively, they didn't do enough to win or hold the Chiefs because, my God, you guys had a 10-point deficit. You guys need to hold them sooner or later. In special teams, you guys lost that because you get you guys gave up one, uh, I guess, the longest uh, punt return in Super Bowl history, even though it wasn't a touchdown. It basically was because it set them up at the five. Uh, just overall, I think they just sort of kind of collapsed in the second half. I think the Chiefs made amazing adjustments. Patrick Holmes showed you what he's made of. And I think overall, the Chiefs just played a better overall game than the Eagles did. Adam, you're muted. You're muted. Jesus, two in a row, huh? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, to make it three next time, I can totally do that. <laughs> please do, except do it for the rest of the episode. Oh, wow. Wow. This guy. Especially later on, because I know we're going to get into it. Um, Listen, this game really proved that Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. And he's just, it's not just a flash in the pan these past few years. This guy, throughout the entire season, had for his number one wide receiver, he had Juju Smith Schuster. Then his number two option all year. You could argue McCole Hardman, but it was mainly either him or Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Probably Scantling because he was healthier this year than, than McCole Hardman ever was. And also Kadarius Toney. Those are all solid pieces, but it's not the type where your quarterback throws 41 touchdown passes with over 5,000 yards and wins the Super Bowl along with Super Bowl MVP with a high ankle sprain. I mean, this was this is this was this season so far for Patrick Mahomes was his Mona Lisa, because as great as it was his first year starting in the league, he had a lot of weapons around him. This year, he didn't have much, and down the stretch of that's of this season, he was hurt. He was he was injured, and his wide receiving core around him was getting hurt constantly. This was um, Patrick Mahomes' best year to date, not statistically. But still a great year. Um, and I, I am very excited to see what the future holds for this kid. I, I really am. I wasn't the biggest fan of him before because I thought he was a little overhyped. Now, I don't think it's fake anymore. This guy, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about him more in depth uh, down, uh, down the road. But uh, to touch on the Eagles, they weren't, allow- they weren't able to generate as much offense as they, as they wanted to. Statistically, they had a decent game. Uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith both played very well. Jalen Hurts had a Jalen Hurts-like game. If they won this game, then he would have been, been, been Super Bowl MVP. Over 300 yards passing, four total touchdowns. I mean, that's a, that's a very good game. And I know he fumbled, and that was part of, you know, that, those seven points you take those away, as Justin said, that, was, that is the difference in the game. But – it was still a good effort. You're not going to be perfect. So 
the Eagles, they might be back in a couple of years. It's going to be tough to get back because teams who lose the Super Bowl, man, I don't know what it is about them, but something always goes wrong. Um, but congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's their second Super Bowl victory in four years. And Patrick Mahomes is now the third youngest quarterback with mul- multiple Super Bowls. And with his league MV- this league MVP, he's the second – uh, he's the he's the youngest quarterback with multiple Super Bowl MVP uh, with multiple MVPs. Uh, so great stuff all around for the Chiefs. Good effort by the by the Eagles, and it was a good game. And we'll talk about that holding call. This could be a good transition into our next segment, isn't it? Unless we wanted to. What's up? Is it a dynasty? <laughs> Is it a potential dynasty? Not yet. They need to win. They need to win at least three. Three, I think five. they need to win three. Yeah, go back, go back to back. Win it next year. All right, that's fair. Just, just making sure. All right. So, what do you, what do you think, though? I, I think no. I think three and five makes it a dynasty, not two and four. Right. They need to, they need to win three, and they've been to the Super Bowl. They have been to the Super Bowl three times, and honestly, you can make the case if Mahomes' whole offensive line wasn't hurt. For that game, it would have been a closer game, and maybe per- possibly, possibly a different outcome. No, possibly. No, their defense was still gashed the entire game. Yeah, well, yeah, because your offense, their offense, wasn't able to stay on the field. Okay, so let me get this straight. You think just having a healthier offensive line would have yes. allowed them to win the game? Yes. You know, you must not know math because the Chiefs didn't score double digits. I don't think. No, right. That game. Right, huh? but with an you don't a healthy offensive line is one of the more underrated things that you need um, on a on a on a Super Bowl winning team. It was thirty-one to nine. So you're telling mm-hmm. me a healthy offensive line is going to prevent Tampa from scoring thirty-one points? If you're missing both of your tackles, whistle. if you're missing both of your tackles, and your center wasn't able to practice for three weeks then, yeah, that's going to make a pretty big difference. Okay, so – so, but you're not answering the question. I mean, I'm – okay, so a healthy offensive line would have prevented Tampa from scoring 31 points. I, I got, got it, got it. I yes, would, yes. No, no, no. 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 Your mean, defense Tampa, is going to – Your I mean, defense Tampa is going to score 31 points. Sorry. It doesn't fix the fact that the Chiefs' defense that year was abysmal. It was, it was not that bad. It was and not yet, that bad. Here they are getting 31 points dropped on them in the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, it's hard to it's hard to play good defense throughout the entire game if your offense is isn't able to stay on the field. It's going to be they gassed throughout the, the field. They had prolonged the drives. Mahomes was literally making these great throws, just pulling them out of his you know where, and yet like, I'm sorry, they they didn't suffer that many three and outs. They were going on drives and getting stifled just outside the red zone. And and I feel like you're also discrediting that ferocious Tampa defense that hosted the likes of Levante David and Vita Vea and Devin White and Antoine Winfield and Jamel Dean and Shaq Barrett. It's a good defense. A healthy O-line, but I don't think, even still would have overcame that defense. It's a good defense, but a better offense. And they and if they were healthy, that then Mahomes would have had a lot more time to throw. Still and wouldn't have he won. Would have, we don't I, know that. I'm I'm not saying that it would have been a different outcome. I'm saying it was a po- it's a possibility. Let if it's it a go, close guys. game, then it's anyone's game. 
Also, we're supposed to be recapping Super Bowl 57, not 55. Um, and yet, here you are. Let it go. I just well, made a quick just sub point. agree on this. I just made a quick sub point, CJ. Um, but yeah, Philly blew a 10-point lead in this game. And the Chiefs were able to overcome, a, were, had a great second half. Uh, so good, good stuff for them. Um, I did want to change gears here. And so towards the end of the game, there was a holding call that has caused a lot of controversy in this Super Bowl. So we're going to touch on that. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, and Justin Tucker with you. All right. So, there was, on the final drive of the game for the Chiefs, a holding call that, if it wasn't called, would have made the difference uh, at least in time in this game. So I'm looking for the exact play. So it was a third and eight at the Philadelphia 15. Uh, So there was a pass that was incomplete. um, And James Bradbury, um, there was a little bit of contact, um, tugged on Juju Smith-Schuster's jersey. The ball was borderline uncatchable. Um, but there was a flag. James Bradbury, after the game, admitted that it was a flag, and he was just hoping that they wouldn't call it. Um, but it was. So, what do you guys think? Should they have? Should the refs have swallowed the whistles on that one, or no? Uh, they gotta call it. They have to call it. If it if it's clear and they see it, they have to call it. Otherwise, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. As as a football fan, I know we don't want it to end like that, and it hurts to see it end like that. But at the same time, the referees are paid to do what they're supposed to do. So if he sees the tug, and it's clearly a tug, and it's clearly a hold, then yeah, they did what they were supposed to. He made the right decision. He made the right call. It's unfortunate. Even the defender said, yeah, I did it. But at the same time, yeah, the referee did what he was supposed to. So no arguments here. He, He did the right thing. All right, CJ. So let's talk about what a holding penalty is. You know, I mean, we all know players, you know, what what is it? Like within five steps of like the offensive line, you know, you grab the jersey. That's what it was. That's what a holding call is. And they called it. I mean, to anyone who says it shouldn't have happened, I I will ask you this question. Do you deny that it was a holding call? 
I mean, do you deny that he held? And everyone knows it, but so yeah, if it was a hold, then the flag should come out. It's literally that simple. And if you say no, that's just because you care more about, you know, the entertainment value. And I understand it, but but if you say it's not a hold, then I just assume you're willing to sacrifice the integrity of the game for entertainment value, which isn't something I would do, but to each their own. And furthermore, I think it's funny how the actual players on the Eagles have accepted this fact, but their horrific fan base has yet to. You know, James Bradbury himself said, I did it, and that's that. That's it. It's over. The argument's over. And yeah, Philly fans are like, no, well, they still shouldn't have thrown it. That's a stupid excuse. And on a side note, you can't blame the field either. It's like, oh, the field was so slippery. I hate that argument. I do. Because, uh, you know, Kansas City had to play on the exact same field. It's not like you're playing on two different fields. It affected you more than it affected Kansas City. And even their tight end, Dallas Goddard, said we can't use that as an excuse. So, yeah, the Eagles fans know it. The rest of the NFL knows it. But the Eagles fans don't. I mean, your own team will admit it. And Philly fans, I think it's time you admit it too. Okay. I'm glad I'm the only one who's going to say that that should have should have been called. Christ. Because, listen, it's good that James Bradbury was uh, – he held himself accountable. That's very respectable. And I'm not going to argue whether or not it was a hold – based solely on that because he, he was on the field. He saw it. But from what I saw, from what you could see on the computer monitor, there wasn't – there, it didn't look like there was that much contact. There was, but isn't football a contact sport? It is. It didn't look, and by by the video, it did not look like the uh, Juju was impeded on his on his route all that much. Hold the on. ball was the ball was just flat out uncatchable. Adam, I would What's like on? to inform you that uh, whether or not the ball was catchable does not matter. On a hold, it does not matter. If it was pass interference, that's the only time whether or not the ball is catchable matters. If the a catchable ball does not matter on a holding call, only pass interference. I'm not right. I'm just saying. So I know. don't ever say like the ball isn't catchable because it doesn't matter. It just but it just underscores how soft the call is because it just no, shows it, it really just shows how irrelevant it really is. Rule. Especially since he was really barely touched. I mean, yeah, you could technically call it a hold. Well, I mean, he he had one hand in front of him, one hand grabbing the jersey. I would hardly call that barely touched. I mean, you can freeze a video at any point to to cherry pick what you're trying to say, but you don't need to grab the jersey. I mean, I'm sorry, it happens. You don't need to freeze the video at all. You can clearly see that he was not interfered with enough at all. Except for the fact that he grabbed the the jersey, which makes it a hold. You even said you're not arguing that it wasn't a hold. So why are we having this conversation? Because it shouldn't have been called. You gotta slow. You gotta swallow your whistles at that point. You can't just be, uh, make borderline calls like that at a, at that point in the game. Can I point to the NFC? Kansas City still would have won. That's the thing. They were still that close, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And even still, they could have just kicked a field goal, like. The Eagles were pretty much cooked anyway. It would have taken a miracle. It, there I mean, was a I minute, really don't think there was a minute. Of an impact on the game. 
a, a minute 54 left in the game to get three points is hardly a miracle at all. It's doable, but it's very it hard to do. That much. What's that? And so it wasn't even that much because Kansas City still would have had to kick the field goal and they would have had to return it. So it wouldn't even have been a minute 54. It would have been like a minute 40 something if we're being if honest. That. It would well, it was going to be an incomplete pass, which stops the clock. Once and you start and then once the ball is snapped, it only takes off about four seconds, which means and then you have they would have had to return it as well, because Philly still would have done a squib kick. That's if that's if it's a squid. So I'd rather than try to test the field before they actually, you know, if you have a minute and some change left, you're not doing a squid. All not right. Situation. Yeah, you're you're gonna be kick, you're gonna be kicking that ball, and they probably won't return it just to save the time. Oh wait, timeout. I don't think they had timeouts left. That's the they issue. They didn't. That's the thing. So they can they can move the ball down the field, but it's a it's very difficult. So right. they would have had like a minute thirty. Which That's is doable, but if not the most ideal situation. My point is, it really didn't have that big of an effect. I really don't think so. I think it had a huge effect. I All right. Had a huge so are effect. you willing to look you, me in the face and say, without that call, Philly would have won? Because I still think Kansas City would have won regardless. I think without that call, Philly has a very good chance, and that game wouldn't, wouldn't have been close to over. At that point, you, you throw towards the sidelines and you just get yourself in a field goal range. You play for overtime. Well, I mean, you can say that as much as you want, but it doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't always work out, but at least you have a pretty good chance to have well over yeah, well, a minute to the point where it's. Jack. It doesn't, I didn't say guaranteed, but it's still, it, you have a very good chance if you just, you know, if, you, if, that, call, if that call is not made. Philly holds them to a field goal with just under two minutes left, and you have that much time to go down the field and get a field goal. It'll be uh, a long field goal, but you can still do it. Just say, I just yeah, that's not a call that you make in the in the Super Bowl at that point in the game. That was that was a soft call, and that's the refs getting in the way of uh, what what wound up being a good Super Bowl, but could have been better if they just shut up. All right, um, I'm going to change gears here, mm-hmm. and we're going to touch on Patrick Mahomes. And after this Super Bowl victory, where he stands among all the other greats uh, at this point in his career and where he could go uh, moving forward. That's next. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Justin Tucker, CJ Medeiros here with myself, Adam Wright. All right. So Patrick Mahomes has just won his second 
Super Bowl. And I just wanted, at, at his age, I just wanted to take a look at some of his accolades. So two-time Super Bowl champ, two-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time AFC champ, five-time AFC championship appearances, two league MVPs, two-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, and uh, a, an off- Offensive Player of the Year nomination, twice throwing for 40 or more touchdowns. Uh, that ties Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, and Matthew Stafford for the most all-time. Um, and then uh, two-time, uh, two uh, twice throwing for 5,000 or more yard seasons, tied for Brady with the second most, and he's just the third quarterback ever to have multiple seasons of 5,000 or more yards. Um, he's the youngest to he's the third youngest to win multiple Super Bowls and tied for uh, tied for the Super Bowl uh, tied for the most Super Bowl MVPs by age 27 and most Super Bowl tied for the most Super Bowl appearances for his age. So guys, where do where do you think he stands all time right now? Ah, that's a good question. Where he stands all time right now? I, there could be an argument for him. I think it's a little too early, but I think there could be an argument for him being top 10. With all the accolades that he has now, never missed the AFC Championship game. He's been to three Super Bowl, two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL, two regular season MVPs. There's a good, strong argument that he could be top 10. He may not have the accolades. He may not have all the accolades yet to make it like a super strong case for like top five. But considering all that he's done in the postseason and in the Super Bowl, I think there's an argument for him to be top 10. All right, CJ. This isn't a question. Adam and I have been talking about off camera and. I don't know if we are going to see eye to eye, but I've been thinking about it a little bit. And I I personally don't think so, but I would understand why someone does. I definitely think there's an argument. You know, I wouldn't say he's top five. I would still say guys like Brady, Breeze, Montana, Rogers, Elway, and Peyton Manning have an edge. But when it comes to pure accolades, not just statistics, but accolades at this point alone, I would argue he's maybe fringe top 10. And from a talent standpoint, he's definitely up there. Mm-hmm. But then I had a revelation. Some Then it just hit me. Good God, ranking quarterbacks is hard. Because, I mean, if you think about it, how does a guy like Mahomes stack up to Johnny Unitas, who was a Patrick Mahomes back in his time? We've had so many different eras of quarterbacks. You know, we've had at one era, we've had guys like Johnny Unitas and Otto Graham, Terry Bradshaw, Bart Starr. And then you move on and you got guys like Montana and Marino and Staubach. And now you got guys like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, etc. I mean... Holmes has the accolades, but and I understand why people would think that he may be top five. There's a lot of people saying that now. I personally don't think so, but it's just when you take into consideration all the different eras, it's darn near impossible. And it's a 
almost fruitless task to rank them. But I would say at this point, he's not top five, certainly about fringe-ish top 10. And I definitely think once he gets into his 30s and he gets more passing yards and passing touchdowns, it would be a much easier point to make. So when I've taken a little bit of time to think about it after the Super Bowl, because we all have our overreactions after uh, in the direct aftermath of when something happens. And as things have started to settle, if this guy were to retire today, he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. I guess it depends on who. Because he's, he's, he's on the edge of first ballot. Yeah. He, I think so. Okay. Arguably a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, a losing argument, but sure. Now you, now you could totally make an argument for it. I get it. Continue. I can't. He doesn't have the yards yet, but I get it. I get it. No, I mean, well, I hear you. I mean, I feel the same way, but there, there is an argument to be made. I won't deny it. So because he doesn't have longevity just yet, he can't – um, there's an argument to be made against it. But mm-hmm. just based off what he has done, what he can control right now, he's, he's done everything along the lines to earn that trajectory. Mm-hmm. You know, he's – I mean, there's only, he's one of just three quarterbacks ever with multiple 5,000-yard seasons. And he's – I mean, his two league MVPs, that's more than Drew Brees ever had. I mean, Brees had nothing. He relies on just his longevity and and racking up all those 5,000-yard seasons. That's his case that he makes. And he was a dome quarterback, and he had lots of weapons for his entire career. Patrick Mahomes is bound to not – Patrick Mahomes is bound to not have weapons at some point. He still kind of does because he has Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster isn't horrible. But there's going to be a point where he has nothing and we need to see how he does like that. His stats are going to be down. That's bound to happen. But if he still has like 25 to 30 touchdowns and he leads his team to a number one seed with that nothingness, then holy crap, this guy, this guy really is legit. As if he, I mean, as if he hasn't already proved it before. I mean, this is, like I said, this is to date his best year. When you have Juju Smith-Schuster as your wide receiver one, and the only the only guy who you really have as a legitimate weapon being Travis Kelsey, who team teams could just look at and say, let's just double team that guy and we're set. And you still throw for 41 touchdown passes and win league MVP. That's special. That really is special. And I think this guy is destined for greatness. And when everything is all said and done. We could very realistically see this guy being in the top two, three quarterbacks to ever live. At least based on the trajectory, if he could absolutely, yeah, he could, he could absolutely, he could absolutely do nothing. He could absolutely do nothing for the next 10, 15 years. And then we'll look at him the same way we look at Aaron Rodgers. But right now he's done everything he needs to do to prove that he's a first ballot hall of famer. And you can, you can make a sub argument for against a lot of all time greats that Mahomes has better features than all the other guys, at least some of them. 
For example, Drew Brees. He only has, he has never won a league MVP, and he only has one Super Bowl victory under his belt. Patrick Mahomes has two and two MVPs. I mean, that right there, that's pretty impressive. So Mahomes, the sky is the limit for this kid. And the uh, the drafting around him on that Chiefs team, the coaching has been very good with Andy Reid. The sky's the limit. And he is in a, he is in a very desirable environment uh, to continue to succeed. And it looks like he has a good head on his shoulders. Maybe that changes. Maybe that changes. Maybe he gets a hit from Vontez Burfik and he turns into a psychopath. But no, I mean, man, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. He seems fine so far. So I'm very excited to see what this kid does uh, down the road. Uh, but with that, I did want to change um, to change topics and head to our fan box. So as this season has come to a close, we wanted to ask you guys what your favorite part of the 2022 season was. We got a lot of good answers. We're going to touch on all of them next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. This is the Fumble Brewski Podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros and Justin Tucker. So we have reached the Fumble Brewski fan box where we post a question filter on our Instagram every Monday. And you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more. And we will discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. All right. So for the question of the week, it was what was your favorite part of the 20? 22 NFL season. So lots of good answers, starting with we got Dylan, uh, Dylan uh, Powell, who said the they wrote me off. I ain't right back game, though. Uh, I ain't right back, though, game. Uh, Geno Smith said the quote. Now, Geno Smith had an incredible year. I mean, we, we have preached about it all season long, but, I mean, what a surprise that was, right? And yeah. I believe that was, I believe that was the game where they faced Denver, right? I don't – was it? I'm not sure if it was Denver or L.A. Uh, no, wait, no, wasn't that the game against Denver where everyone thought Russell Wilson was going to go slaughter his old team led by Geno Smith and Geno pulled an Uno reverse card. Yeah. But, hey, all of a sudden, Geno looked like that guy. So, congratulations to Geno, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Deserved it. Yeah. So, it was it was back in September, and it was it was against the Broncos. So, he beat his former team. How cool is that? Well, not his former team, 
But oh, you know, yes. the, the quarterback, the former starting quarterback for the for the Seahawks, who's been Geno Smith has been his backup for years for him. So he was able to beat them and also make it to the playoffs. Um next was Grayson Mortimer saying watching Dallas lose. Oh, time honored tradition. Uh, mm. And Grayson, you are correct. Year, right before the NFC Championship game, it happens. And Adam's like, this can't keep happening. Man. I, the, keep- it, I keep saying it every episode that Dallas comes up. It has to it has to happen at some point. They have to figure it out. It's not going to come anytime soon. Probably after we're all dead. Listen, listen, listen. I, when I saw Ezekiel Elliott under center, I knew the game was over. I mean, we knew the game was over long before that. I mean, man, there were a lot of things that went wrong in that game for the for the Cowboys. But, but watching them lose is hope. I thought maybe they could do something. No. Zeke went under center. No, as in like he was the center. I was like. Yeah, I, I remember that. Can't believe um, it. Joseph Soddle said Minnesota versus Buffalo, which is quite possibly the game of the year. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Oh, my goodness. That catch from Justin Jefferson was insane. And Stefan Diggs oh, made yeah. a sick catch, too. Oh, my God. Battle. Talk about a battle of the Titans. Two of the best wide receivers in football make just exchanging unbelievable grabs. Patrick Peterson showing flashes. Oh, that was a nice game. So sure. o- saying Odell Beckham Jr. Who? <laughs> oh my God, that was those were those were better catches. Like those were just unbelievable. Goodness gracious. Um, all right. Jad Noman said, CMC three different touchdowns in one game. Oh, that was nice. And that was some sort of record, wasn't it? Because he threw a passing touchdown, he had a rushing touchdown, and a receiving one. So it's some. It was some sort of record, was it not? It's happened before, but it's still an good accomplishment for a running back to do. Still, nice job, Christian McCaffrey. And then he also said, uh, "Jay Jets Bills catch," which is the Justin Jefferson catch that we discussed. Yep. That was that was an incredible catch. I told you guys going into that year that he was the number one wide receiver. They called me a madman. No, Tuck called you a madman. Yeah, yeah, Tuck called me a madman, and probably other people. Because Honestly, I wasn't on that show, but I outright told you when I heard it that I agreed. So come on now. I know. Owen Vanslack said Dolphins versus Ravens, game or uh, Vikings second half comeback. <laughs> Just goes um, to show you that no lead is safe with Matt Ryan. Yeah. That was disgusting. That's he didn't deserve to play ever again. Yep. And on, top, and on top of that, a lot of Vikings fans were comparing that to the Super Bowl 51, saying, oh, every masterpiece has its cheap copy, and it shows the masterpiece with the uh, the Vikings comeback in the regular season against the Colts, who had four wins. Um, and then it showed the cheap copy, which was they portrayed that as Super Bowl 51. That's like, yeah, that's, blasphemous. that's cute. That's cute. Um, we well, have, we have say, six Super Bowl no victories. I don't care. We have suit. We have six Super Bowl victories, but have your have your regular season victories. Yeah, um, 
Secret Weapon Consulting said Eagles going full fal- Falcons in the Super Bowl. Cry, Eagles, cry. <laughs> mm. Listen. Amen. There's been a lot of blown 10-point leads, but a 25-point lead, that will never have a cheap – that will never have its – that is not a cheap copy to anything. Like, that was – that will – that ruined the Falcons organization for years to come. I mean, they yeah. made the they made the playoffs the following year, but they still weren't the same. I mean, they weren't they weren't the juggernaut that they were the year the year prior, and they were a cellar dwelling team for the next few years after that. Um. So yeah, but I mean, it it was a it was kind of a blown game, but the Eagles still played pretty well. They had a good game. Just they ran into a pretty good quarterback. Um. Chris Kostich said the last five minutes of the Bills-Vikings game. Uh, again, like, incredible. Just the whole game, to be honest. Yeah, and th- that big comeback by, uh, what was it, the Bills or the or the Vikings? I vaguely Vikings. remember that game. The Vikings. So the Vikings came all the way back. And then it went into overtime because the, uh, the Bills proceeded to score a field goal, I believe. And then – the Vikings scored, and then Josh Allen predictively threw an interception to Patrick Peterson. Yeah. Uh, and then Brogdon Hill said the Vikings were down 33 points to the Colts and cam- came back. They should not have gotten away with that game. <sighs> That's the Colts for you. That's what happens when you have a NFL commentator as your head coach. That's what happens. As Pretty much as we love Jeff Saturday. <laughs> you got him in position, though. I know, I know, I know. If he won, uh, every, he would have looked like a genius. But now he can't even play Saturdays no more, let alone coach. Ian and, Mullen, and that's why he's not their head coach right now. I think he kind of stepped down, didn't he? He had no, no. They just hired the Eagles' OC Steichen. Right, but that's because Jeff Saturday stepped down. Oh please! Like he was going to get hired again. He wasn't. He was, inter- was drunk again, which he was, very well might have happened. You never know. He was the interim head coach. There's not. There wasn't much to ask from him. Um, watching uh, Ian Mulhern said, "Watching Mahomes prove he didn't need Hill to win." <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, that was impressive from Mahomes for him to be able to do more than la- more with less. Something that I preached about Tom Brady for years that gave him. Uh, the edge above anyone else at the quarterback position. That's something that Mahomes practiced this year, which was great. Uh, Isaac Zonana said the Dolphins. If that's the best thing, man, I get you're a Dolphins fan, but, I mean, that season was a tragedy for you guys. To his you brain, were, sure isn't the best thing that much, I'll tell you. You were 8-3. and three. You were in contention for the number one seed. And people were looking at you as a legitimate, legitimate Super Bowl contender. And then you went on, went on to lose five straight. I mean, that Listen, was they, just—they still made the playoffs. On top of it, they still made the playoffs. That was—I mean, if I'm a if I'm a Dolphins fan, I look at this season as a tragedy. Same. I mean, you. Oh man, that that's a that was a tough season for them. But Nick Norman said, Kenny Pickett, as a Steelers fan, watching him grow was really refreshing. So, yeah, I did not like the Kenny Pickett pick when they took him in the draft. I thought 
any quarterback, any team that takes a chance on these quarterbacks in the draft is just setting themselves up for failure. But Kenny Pickett, he did right, but he wasn't. Come on. Yeah, I know. Mr. Irrelevant. Were we looking at them at him as a draft pop, uh, a draft prospect, saying, "Man, anyone who drafts Brock Purdy, man." Um, but <laughs> look, Kenny Pickett. I mean, the big takeaway from him is that he had small hands. It's like, which was a little stupid because it's like, mm-hmm. okay. They said okay, the same thing about Joe Burrow, didn't they? Yep. And now Although his hands are bigger. I guess his hands are bigger, but still, I mean, it, it hasn't didn't affect Joe Burrow. I mean, mm-hmm. he's perennially now one of the better quarterbacks in, in football. But Kenny Pickett really did show some growth. And it you can't see it in the stats, but you can clearly see that if he has a year or two to develop, then he could be a really good quarterback. Um, at least a solid starting quarterback in this league. But we'll see. It's early. Uh, sometimes it takes quarterbacks a couple of years to get to really hit their stride. But Brian Mucker said when Justin Jefferson climbed the ladder, so another Justin Jefferson vote from that catch and that season from him. No one talks about it really, but it was among the better single seasons a wide receiver's ever had. Yeah. And it happened because it followed up uh, Cooper Cup's all-time great, like top two season ever. Like That happened last year in 2021. But no, And no one talks about Justin Jefferson because of what Cooper Cup just did. Mm-hmm. Um but Eli Turner said Broncos finally scoring above 30 points. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so sad. <laughs> Listen, it was a tough season for the Broncos, and I expected them to make, to make the playoffs. I thought they had a playoff roster, and they still do. A couple things didn't go their way. Some injuries, um, some coaching issues, play calling. Their quarterback seemed to get lazy at stretches. But after they fired uh, – after they fired – Nathaniel Hackett, what they showed was pretty encouraging. They gave the they gave the Chiefs a run for their money, and they beat they upset the Chargers. And Russell Wilson actually looked like Russell Wilson that we actually know, like not the one that we've seen all all this year, but for his entire career, he actually looked like himself, which was encouraging. So, you might Broncos fans, you might have something to look forward to. Uh, okay. Floodster Sports Zone said 27 to nothing comeback. So he is a Jaguars fan. So I'm, su- yeah. I'm surprised Elkos didn't get fired. He probably should have. There, there should have been heads rolling for the Chargers, and they fired their offensive coordinator, but Brandon Staley stayed. Yeah, yep. no, no, don't fire the play caller, the actual guy responsible for it. That would be silly. Chargers. But, you know, I also think part of what is wrong with the Chargers is not just coaching. It's not just their ownership and, you know, the play calling, the coaching staff. And it's not even necessarily the personnel. It's the fact that it's always getting hurt. Have you noticed that? Like their wide receiver core is almost never healthy, and when they are, they they're they're either not a hundred percent or they're it doesn't last long. It's it seems it's just odd. Well, then they their should find a strength conditioning coach. I don't know what to tell you. Well, some players are just their bodies are made of glass. Yeah, that's true. So you know the player the 
I mean, the players they've invested in, they've, they've drafted well, they've drafted good players, but they're getting hurt all the time. And if your most reliable player to this point is a running back, and running backs notoriously have issues with, with health, if they, don't ha- if they don't now, they will down the road, you're not setting yourself up that well. Yeah, that's true. But on the Jaguars' side, what a great future they have. That is a, they, they have the quarterback of the future. Their offensive line is keeping Burrow, uh, it's keeping Trevor Lawrence alive. And they have pretty good weapons to throw to. Now, they, they got them all from free agency and trades, but they're not old. And they're pieces that have actually helped, have, have helped Trevor Lawrence in his development as a professional athlete. Um, so good stuff going around there. Travis Etienne is one I haven't mentioned yet either. And that, and that defense is young and continues to get better. They need to get to draft more probably, but looks good. Looks good. I just hope Trayvon Walker isn't a bust for where he was picked. Jesus. He probably will be. Yeah, what a waste of a number one pick. You could have had Aiden Hutchinson right now. I said that <laughs> when he was drafted. Well, you got to give it time. Maybe Trayvon Walker will pan out. He has the he has the athletic abilities, as you could clearly see, which which attracted all of the NFL during the combine. But we'll see. All right. Well, that was the last of our um, talking points. You guys, any have any other thoughts before we end the show tonight? I'm good. Nah, just one. Yep. This isn't something I even want to like discuss. I just want to do my due diligence and point out that the Philadelphia Eagles have officially lost both of their coordinators to head coaching jobs. Yeah. And if you fancy yourself a contender, this is the part where, you know, you got to roll with the, with the punches. Cause you know, as Pats fans, we basically lost a coordinator like every other year. Yep. So I'm just saying. Yep. It'll be an off season full of, different storylines it's been crazy the past few off seasons so i really can't wait to talk about it and we will be with you guys every step of the way starting on friday we're where we are going to give our full off season preview free agency the draft even the combine all of that stuff and we will take you all the way through the summer just as we always do so sit tight you go, sit tight you guys will have plenty of football coverage as long as you are loyal to our Fumble Rooski podcast. But with that, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast. To keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.